What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Bina. It's your boy, AJ. Welcome to our podcast, Can't Make This Up. Where we share our experiences and our views on the world's topics. We want to bring you hard truths and help you better yourselves with real talk and stories from our lives. I'm telling you, we can't make this up. What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Can't Make This Up. Before we get into today's episode, we want to extend our thoughts to the victims of colonialism and the atrocities that have been committed in both Colombia and Palestine. We talk about a wide range of topics on our podcast. We always want to do our best to raise awareness towards social injustice and oppressed communities. And with that, let's get into it. All right, y'all. So today's episode, we're going to be celebrating Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Yes, ma'am. As y'all know, I'm home. It's a good month. To it's a great see. month, actually. <laughs> why, why is it a great month, AJ? Well, Please tell me why. Let's, let's, let's think about this for a second. There's so many reasons why we can celebrate the month of May. Um, <laughs> Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders get to be recognized. Their history gets to be celebrated. The many contributions that they have made. And the fact that this month was chosen to be celebrated by such a good, rich community of people on the month of the bull. Stand up, my Tauruses, everybody. Take, you know, take your headphones off. Be acknowledged this month. And it is the month of my birth. Just, you see what I'm saying? It's the month of my birth. Mm, I'm going to need y'all to sit down. So, so <laughs> many good things to recognize. As a matter of fact, my birthday closes out you know, we we close out the season of the bull. So essentially, oh May twentieth will be the after party, y'all. But hey, I'm, the, don't 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 gas up AJ. Please do not gas up AJ. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's a it's a great month. It's a great month. But but you you go ahead, Queen. Talk your talk. Yeah, because after that, you know, Gemini season. So. The only ones that matter. Deserve nothing. And nah, no, don't do that. Rude. You know you love us. Actually, you know, everybody love us. It's okay. Y'all can't stand us, but y'all love us. Anyways, this ain't the topic of our episode. So, AJ actually, (laughs) AJ has a very cute story of how he was really introduced to um asian culture in general yeah it was something i thought was very interesting that we found out we had in common was a love of old school uh martial arts movies um Mm -hmm. for uh shout out to my i call her my grand grand she uh my, my grandmother she is a huge 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 kung fu movie buff y'all i tell when i tell you when I tell you, when like if anyone remembers back in the day, you could go to the mall, a little kiosk in the mall, and buy like just all these martial arts movies. She could, she would be considered like their plug. She has that many movies of just all these dubs from 
from from China, Korea, Japan. Like I'm talking about the movies with the bad dubbing and the wire where you could still see them flying in the wires and yeah. and growing up I used to watch these movies with her. I watched them with my dad and that's what uh they they put me into karate um with that when I was in when I was like 3. When I was 3 I started and I was just exposed to to this culture and i and i understand a lot of times especially in uh western cinema a lot of asian roles get um stereotyped into the martial arts roles but and those y'all, y'all see i was so shook that aj you know knew about all these old school movies that are actually made in Asia, like in China, etc. I I don't really like martial arts movies that are made in the U.S. because they're not as good. They're not as good. No, not at all. And so, um, when we, me and Asia were talking about, it, I was like, wait, so you know this movie, you know this movie, this one, this one, and these are like old ass ones that I grew up watching. And like, please watch it in the language and just use subtitles. Like, I hate dub movies. I hate they're dub so, movies. They're so bad. <laughs> So bad. So yeah, when I found out that AJ seen all these movies, I was like, "Yo, what? What? What was? <laughs> and they're uh, so good." What was the one? Oh, I can't even remember the one that you said first. And I was, I was surprised that you knew about it. You were like, "It was a Jet Li one." Uh, the New Legends of really New Legend old. of Shaolin. Yeah, because they're really old. Like these movies are old. <laughs> yeah, it was called. Yeah. Um, I think in the U.S. it was called The Legend of the Red Dragon or something like that. But the original yeah. name is The New Legend of Shaolin. And Jet Li had that. Jet Li had like this really dope spear in it. And he had like his little son. What was his son's name? Ting? <laughs> and the movie I, was I don't like, remember. Yeah, his name was Ting. And like Jet Li's and he's like, Ting, Ting. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> just he's just fighting these people with this like spear. It was so cool. And we used to watch these movies all the time as a family. And, you know, and, and in our house, we have this insane reverence for Bruce Lee. <laughs> he, he, oh my gosh, that man, just, just in general, like for what he did for Asian actors and cinema and their perception mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Western society was so good. But I, I mean, he he was just so ahead of his time. And if you if yeah. I would encourage anybody to actually go read and in, read into his life and actually pick up his books, because when he was in college, uh, he was a philosophy major and his outlook on life and things of that was just so different. And for me, going growing up in the martial arts, I and and, and training and practicing, I, I, I got all of his books and I would read them and just his mindset towards things was just so, so uh, like revolutionary. And for the fact that he actually stood up against uh, a lot of people don't know, he actually stood up against a lot of um, elder uh, martial arts teachers, um, Asian, Asian teachers that were teaching over in California at the time. And a lot of them had a problem with the fact that he was teaching um, non-Asian students. He had white, his like a couple of his first students were actually uh, African-American. And he was like, no, this is this, you know, the expression of the human body is everyone's right. And they were like, well, no. And he would, man, this man was out here fighting all these people just so he could teach other people. I was like, man, Bruce is the goat. 
like, like I, he, he, for me is like, you, you cannot say a bad thing about that man for me. And like, and if it's like, if you do people be like, Oh, he was just an actor. You gotta, you owe me five minutes at that point. I'm like, we're not about to be in here disrespecting the goat like that. And Ooh, what in the hell? You cannot just say that he was just an actor. Oh my God. People so say that crazy. all the time. They say that all the time. Well, he was just an actor. And I'm like, man, no, nah, we're not to be out, be, be out here disrespecting Bruce like that. And then Ooh, Donnie Yen, who portrayed his uh, master, Yitman, one of the best. Oh, and he's he, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I recommend everybody see Yitman. That is, that is an amazing movie. Like there's there's just so many of these different movies and like to I, I've never really met anybody else. Uh, so like when and especially like you, you don't see a lot of meet a lot of girls who like movies like this. So when I was like Bino was like, Yeah, I watch these movies and stuff like that. It was like, What? So I, I, absolutely that 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 stuff was just a huge part of my childhood and and learning martial arts specifically, I started in Kyokushin karate, which originates from Okinawa, Japan. Um and then I went into Taekwondo, which a lot of people know comes from Korea. I, we, we, a lot of, a lot of times when we're studying, if you have the right teachers, they actually teach you the history of these arts and these styles. And, you know, being the fact that the base of martial arts, which has been such a big part of my life. And I, used it as a expression of self-defense and then just as an art form as well and learning about it and knowing that these two these things that were so big in my life came from their histories are tied to and come from Asia I I just had a profound respect you know for the culture and the ideals and the philosophies that come with it so I I always just like I, I don't know I just always marveled at it and it it's just something that I think deserves respect and reverence. Yeah, we love that for real. Did your parents ever put you into martial arts at all? Did you ever try it? Oh no, hell no. <laughs> Mom, people do not do martial arts. <laughs> what we do do, and what my parents did do, they put me in a dance class. So okay. actually, in the Hmong community. At least in the U.S., anywhere you go, it's not just Minnesota, but uh, like Minnesota, Cali, Wisconsin, there's going to be Hmong New Year festivals. Hmm. And at all of them, there's dance competitions with dance teams. Literally, every little girl was was put on a dance team. So what we would do is we'd do, of course, Hmong dances, Thai dances, but also Chinese dances. And my teacher specifically was Chinese and she married a Hmong man. So she knew Hmong and she also taught us Chinese. Um, but damn near every little Hmong girl was a dancer, competed at the Hmong New Year. And we would like, it, it was, you know, literally them Chinese dances where you see like all the flips and the flexible stuff, the leaps, mm-hmm. all that. That's what, that's what we did, which is kind of why I went into gymnastics after all that. Yeah, so um, that was very prominent in our community. And even boys, too. There there were, like, dance teams for boys. um, Or there were, like, co-ed teams with boys and girls. So that's what we did. And that was, like, a big part of the Hmong New Year, the dance competition. And that was mostly what people would come for anyways to watch the dance competition. Mm -hmm. If not 
the pageant. You know, we got we got a Miss Hmong Minnesota pageant too, or the food. So, you know, people love this stuff. So that's what I did growing up, dance team and all that. What's y'all's yeah, calendar? Nah, our calendar, we don't really have one. It's just so our Hmong New Year is after the harvest season is over. Which is why our um we, we celebrate it around the month of November into December ish. So just think, you know, after the harvest season, like that's that's our new year. Giving thanks and appreciation for a good harvest year for our ancestors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, paying respects to our ancestors and celebrating a new year. So yep, around November, December ish. Um, there's not like a set date or anything, but around that time. So Minnesota has the like largest celebration Um, and a whole bunch of people from all over will come. Like we'll have people from California, Wisconsin come. We'll even have people from Laos um, or Thailand come here just for the celebration. So it's big, it's huge, it's really fun. I used to love, you know, like that's what I would always look forward to performing being on the stage and of course you know we get it for free because them tickets is not cheap <laughs> oh you gotta pay uh, yeah you gotta pay it's a whole festival it's, it's a whole celebration you gotta pay to get in everybody gotta the, pay how much the tickets it'd be like i swear to god 12 dollars or something oh <laughs> somewhere around that yeah yeah so it's not it's not like four dollars bro it's not <laughs> y'all, y'all out here i was like y'all out here scamming like 50 dollars a head <laughs> So, yeah, like, it's it's a fun time. You just go there and celebrate our culture, um, have fun, enjoy music and food and shows. And then we do ball tossing. That's like, so ball tossing in our culture is kind of, it happens at Hmong New Year's all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a, it's kind of like a flirting game for a couple or for people to to meet and get to know each other. So what would happen is you would ball toss with a girl, like, underarm, okay? Underarm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you just ball toss with a girl or a guy, whoever, um, and you just talk. You get to know each other. That's it. And that's how you flirt, really, in our culture. So you toss it Traditionally, back and forth and... Yeah, yeah. It's like a game. It's, it's literally just like catch. It's literally just like catch. Uh, but traditionally, though, you sing songs to each other. That's how they did it way back in the day. So, well, it's not songs, but it's like it's like poetry slash spoken word. We call it in our culture kutsia. It is basically just it's it's like spoken word, and you're you're talking to this person. You're trying to get to know them. You know, you're probably giving them compliments, saying like you're really pretty, they're really cute, blah blah blah. And it's you. You're kind of singing, and you're just like tossing the ball back to each other. One person sings, and then the other person goes. So, and that's that's how, that's how the exchange kind of goes. Okay, okay. I hope you realize with this episode, you' about to have so many dudes looking up Hmong spoken word or poets, and they' about to be <laughs> flooding your DMs. <laughs> Sending me some smoke mm-hmm. away. Hey, and, but I do love that though. Like I love poetry. So but nah, that? they they gonna they're gonna flex like they didn't listen to this and they're gonna be like, Yeah, so baby girl, I, I spent some time in Laos and you know I, <laughs> I, I was <laughs> I, <laughs> Hey man, stop, stop. They're, they're about to be in your DMs trying it. Like, okay, okay, okay. I 
take it, take, write that down, write that down. <laughs> oh my God. It's really awkward though. Like the one time that that happened to me, it was so awkward. It's so, fr- okay. Because when I tell y'all these dance teams, like these girl dance teams are so glorified because, you know, we're all in such pretty and intricate outfits and we literally walk around like a whole fucking gang, like, <laughs> and guys will, guys or whoever will literally ask us to take photos, like take photos with us or of us. When I tell y'all, like, are these dancing, you know, of course we walk around together, mm-hmm. you know, we walk around together and they will just ask to to talk to us or to take photos with us just because we look pretty. <laughs> And then, you know, one time or a few times, like, these guys would just ask to ball toss with us. Like, that's how you flirt. You know, that's how you flirt. And the one time it happened to me, I mean, he was cute, but it was just so awkward. It was so awkward. (laughs) And I was a kid, low-key. I was, like, 13. I was two or 12. I was, no, I was 13. I was 13. Um, And it was just so weird. So weird. And he did ask for my number after, but just still weird. Never talked to him again, though. <laughs> and it was so awkward because my mom was there. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> who, who makes the outfits for you all? Oh, so usually it's a really it's a really intimate thing for mothers to make their Hmong daughters outfits, especially when they're getting married. And, you know, like, but also just in general, like Hmong mothers always love making Hmong clothes for their daughters. My mom will make Hmong clothes for me and my sisters all the time. And it'll be, and I'll be there like, wait, why are you making Hmong clothes for us? And she's like, just us. So usually yes. Or um, more often, like now these days, we can just get it at the Hmong marketplace. If you're talking about our dance outfits, those outfits, at least with our team and my dance teacher, she would design them and then she would order them from China because she's actually a a professional dancer from China. Mm. So she got ties. So she would design them and then she would literally order them from China um, and they get here. Like I still have so many outfits that I am definitely passing on to my daughter one day. Um, Because it's literally like been, these outfits are from when I was like, nine years old nine slash ten years old to until i was like 14 i still keep because they they were expensive they were like 200 300 dollars one outfit they're like it's all sewn it's all handmade there will be beads on there or jewels or like just you know it's very detailed and it's a whole outfit a whole outfit with a headpiece and sometimes we have props so they were expensive but yeah like i really miss all of this I think it's, I've been kind of sad, you know, just being away from home and being away from my culture when I um, transferred to Syracuse. Yeah, I can, I can see there, there's a disconnect in, in Syracuse. I mean, there's a lot, there, there was a large population of Asian students, but most of them were um, from mainland China. So there's there's a lot of similarities but of a, a lot of differences between um different asian cultures you know our different respective countries or different respective cultures traditions histories etc i just i re- and i really missed like my mon culture a lot um in the community 
And it's interesting too because this month of May, um, May 14th specifically is Hmong American Day for Minnesota. So like some years ago, our governor established May 14th as Hmong American Day. Kind of cute, kind of cool. May 14th? So, mm-hmm. It was oh, just literally, yeah. yeah. Today we're recording on May 15th. So it was just yesterday that Hmong American Day passed. Yesterday um, was my dad's yeah. birthday too. So I'm going to give him a shout out. Happy birthday, Black <laughs> Attack. Happy birthday, Mr. Weekly. Did you did you ever know uh d- did you ever um look at the uh Chinese calendar growing up? Uh no, but I did pay attention to uh what is it? The Chinese is it the Chinese zodiac? Yeah, or? the zodiac. Yeah, the zodiac. Yeah, I'm a bunny. <laughs> yeah, I'm a rooster. I'm a rabbit slash bunny. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. a rooster. I'm a rooster. I wanted to be a dragon so bad as a kid. I'm like, well, I'm a rooster. <laughs> I'm weak. My sister's a rooster. <laughs> yeah, 90, yeah, 93 babies are roosters. 90, 99 babies are rabbits. 99 rabbits. Who, who yeah. them disgusting 2,000? 2000, 2,000 babies are dragons? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, look, I have it up, like, right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Don't hate on them. Oh, okay. I, I can't stand them. You know, growing up, I actually, you know, what's interesting. I did watch a lot of Chinese films and some Korean films slash series. And actually, like, that's how I kind of got to learn a little bit of Chinese. Besides the fact that my dance teacher taught me, but that was really nice. And I think one other thing to just point out is we say... AAPI month, we, you know, we celebrate it, but I just, I feel like there's still a lot of erasure and invisibility of Pacific Islanders. Like there's so much focus on East Asians. And I feel like just now we are starting to see more light of Southeast Asians, but there's still a lot of invisibility of Pacific Islanders. And I hope we start to see more of them read more about them, hear more about them, and just really like allow their voices and their stories to be to be seen. I do agree with that. We don't really get a lot of there we're really not exposed a lot to Pacific Islander culture unless you you know, unless you go to those areas. It's I mean, their history isn't even something that we're taught in school, like, you know, with the U.S. and how they acquired Hawaii and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there are some prominent there are some prominent people of uh, Pacific Islander descent in Hollywood. I mean, you know, you got your Dwayne Johnson's, Jason Momoa's um, people of that nature. And if unless you've been to. Uh, places like Hawaii or um, Australia, New Zealand, where they do have Pacific Islanders, there you don't mm-hmm. you don't really know. But Samoan culture is 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 pretty fascinating, you know. And then and then, oh well, you know, the most exposure a lot of people will have will be like Moana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Moana. Have you been to Hawaii? No, but I'm going to next year. <laughs> when? Like in the fall, September. Oh, well, okay. I've been twice. 
It was fun. It was oh, fun. You've been twice? For uh, what? Uh, one time it was a school trip in high school, and the other time and I just went. Yeah. Y'all took a school trip to yeah. Hawaii? Yeah. To hell? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was, it was like really specific. It was actually with like ROTC and we went to go see you know, Pearl Harbor and all that stuff. And then I went again when I was in the military just to go. I just went. And then, um, you know, so I did get to see some Pacific Islander culture there and uh, getting to see some of their customs and things that they did and just being exposed to it. I'm not. First of all, I never knew that you were ROTC, but I'm not surprised. You never knew that? Nah, you never told me, but oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Why is that not surprising? Because he was in the Marines. Shit, if somebody in the military told me they were ROTC, I'd be like, okay, I see that. <laughs> I wasn't initially. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I did join it, and but I wasn't, <laughs> but I wasn't one of those. Um, I wasn't one of those kids who uh, tried to let everybody in the in the school know that they were like. I mean, you, you of course know when. You know, you got to wear the uniforms like once a week and stuff. But I wasn't yeah. like I wasn't one of those kids who had to uh, tell other kids in the class, oh, hey, you need to respect the military <laughs> and this, that and the other. I wasn't that. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't like that. I, I honestly didn't care um, what other kids thought that much about it. Um, but no, yes, I did join. And we had one of our instructors. He um, made like, hey going on a trip to Hawaii who want to go. So then everybody signs up, but then he was only going to pick like certain people to go. And I was actually pretty tight. Yeah. I was actually pretty tight with him. And fun fact, he was the person who convinced me to go Marines as opposed to, because wow. yeah, my ROTC was actually Navy and he was, um, all of our instructors were Navy, but he was a retired Marine and everybody. And like when he joined, nobody liked him. <laughs> Because they just mm -hmm. like high schoolers. So every time you hear Marine, everyone thinks crazy and mean. And um, totally. initially he was kind of mean. He was a little standoffish. But uh, I actually used to mess with him a lot, like just do things just to get under his skin. And when uh, I said I was going to join the Navy because everybody in my class was like, oh, we're going to the Army. And I was like, I want to go to the Navy. And he said, no. Yeah. Um, you're you're more of a marine. And I said, "Huh?" <laughs> and the only reason I was doing it cuz both my parents were navy. So I said, "Okay, yeah, I'm probably going to go navy." And then when he took me to uh he took me to uh Paris Island. Like he took a group of us to Paris Island where some of the recruit training is for like a week and we went. Mm -hmm. And I said, "Yeah, I think I'm going to go marines." And it was just something kind of cool about it, but you know when but then you know taking us to uh Pearl Harbor um, in Hawaii, that was that was a pretty dope and um, eye opening experience to see that with mm -hmm. the fact that it's still there, and you're like, oh wow, this is what got this is what got America into World War Two, and uh, but no, 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 it was dope. So, so I do thank him for you know pushing me into that direction, and then going into the Marine Corps was how I was able to see a lot of the world and be exposed to so many cultures i mean i didn't get to see as much of asia as i wanted to i only went to thailand which i would tell anybody to go to it's a good time 
And then I went to New Zealand. But yeah, we can't forget that these are indigenous peoples that have been that have been colonized, you know, either wiped out. They they've mm. been attempted to be wiped out mm. and, and just etc. I mean, like look at Hawaii and how it's become so much of a tourist area and it really shouldn't be. The native Hawaiians hate that shit there. Okay, I to speak on that, I actually don't like it. I I hate people who go to places and act super touristy. I I I don't yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just that when I I'm like if you're going on a plane somewhere to mm-hmm. some place that's obviously foreign to you. I just like to get on the plane and just damn get there, you know, and then I just go around and explore. But the people who like to get on the plane and they've already got the their like luau outfits on and shit, I'm like no one the people who who see you coming there, they're actually annoyed. <laughs> you know, it's Yeah. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's annoying because I, I honestly, it, it might sound like, you know, you were being prudes or something like that. But even if I'm going to someplace that I'm not native to and I see people putting on things or wearing like outfits or certain accessories that seem tokenizing to me. And I'm not trying to sound like super sensitive about it. It's just something about it is it's just it, it's just irritating to me it's just just go there and enjoy it you know um if you go to something if you go to a show a festival or something that you get to that get to experience the culture and you pick something up there fine but like why are you getting on the plane letting everybody know where you're going and you're not even there yet and <laughs> with this with this fake ex- i mean I'm not saying that people aren't really excited it's just that i know native people there see tourists and it's like, okay, you're coming to experience us and our way of life for a couple of days. And, and exploit us really though. Yeah. It feels you know, a little exploitative. Like, and you just, you're kind of just, you go there, you enjoy all these things. I get that for some places that's kind of like their money stream, but one, whose fault is that? Mm. And, right and but also too it's like you come you ex- you exploit them and then you leave you, you exactly for vacation right yeah and then, yeah you're yeah. there for vacation and it's not to say people don't deserve to go to these places you have them if you have the means to travel to go see these places obviously go see them but you know for me when you're just saying oh i'm here for a couple of days and then i bounce and then i just post my little vacation pictures on instagram it's just a little even as a kid, I always found it very annoying when I would be in St. Thomas and um, and I'm just I'm just going to be real. It was always the white people doing this whenever I would get you on. Know, my parents would put me on the plane to go there to stay with my aunt. I'm always on the plane with these white people dressed like they're going to Hawaii. And mm. and, you know, they're like, oh, and, they, and sometimes I'd be on the, I'd be sitting on the plane next to them. They're like, oh, where are you? Uh. Uh, you're on the plane by yourself because I'm like I'm like this kid, and they were confused by that, and they would ask me why I'm going there. I'm like, oh well, I have family there, so that's why I'm going. They're like, oh yeah, we're gonna be there for about a week, so we're gonna go to the beach. Of course, you're going to go to the beach. Where else are you gonna go there for? <laughs> you know, but it 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 just would just be very very annoying, and I and I would see that in my travels all the time with these people dressing a certain mm-hmm. way, and they go to these places. Uh, Africa 
especially like I, I feel like people go to Africa just to say that they went. I saw this place in the part of the world where people live less fortunate than I do. And I got to I got to hold a little starving child for two days and it just touched my heart. We should really do something about that. that that's just that's just how I feel about when I see tour, when I see tourists. I just I just feel even if I'm a tourist, I just do my best not to act like one. <laughs> exactly. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode. You know, happy Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Um, we hope that you guys are all staying safe, staying healthy. Please wear your mask. Mm-hmm. Fuck whatever the CDC say. Vaccinated or not, wear your mask. Be cute. Be out. But wear your mask. And hear us on our next few episodes coming up. We're going to switch things around a little bit. Really honing more on just us telling you guys about our stories and our experiences in relation to certain topics. It's going to be a little different, a little more personal. But yeah, catch y'all in the next one. Peace.